Finish this sentence spoken by Jesus Christ. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will... Can you finish it? If you can, there might be a prize waiting for you. You got to put that in the comments, okay? Thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I... What did Jesus Christ say? Hint, it's in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. If you're scoffing at the God of creation, it will not end well for you. Just look at the history in the Bible. It didn't end well for Adam and Eve. It didn't end well for the people at the flood. It didn't end well for Sodom and Gomorrah. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Hey, welcome to the Creation Today Show. I'm your host, Eric Hovind. We are on a mission to disciple the world one person at a time, and it's working. There you are. I love this. Our goal is to turn the stumbling blocks that keep people from coming to Jesus Christ and seeing Him as the creator and the redeemer of mankind into stepping stones on your journey to know the truth. Hey, if you're joining me from Facebook or YouTube or on our podcast or television show, we wanna say thank you for peeking into the Creation Today community for this conversation. If you ever wanna join our community, become a partner, come on over to creationtoday.org slash partner. Hey, to my partners on here, thank you guys for hanging out, Amber and Bruce, and it's great to have Mr. Kerr Blattman. You did a show with me a couple months ago, and I've, been, I've gotten so many great comments on that show uh, on the problems with evolution that was so good. But to Gary and Jonathan and William and Lisa, guys, all of you, thank you guys so much for hanging out. This is a, a fun time for me. As you know, we often get to talk about the science that backs up the scripture. Uh, we, uh, we had... Dr. Andrew Schnelling on, and we did the show called Rocks Don't Bend, and he was giving us some profound evidence for the layers to the earth being laid down at one time. They were not laid down slowly and gradually. And then Dr. Tim Clary came and he gave us rock solid evidence of a worldwide flood. And, and then I spent an hour going through, uh, was it a literal global flood? Well, we cover these, these science topics for a reason. Because Peter warned us about people who would come in the last days and deny the truth of these events. He calls them scoffers. And today, we're calling out the scoffers. My guest today is the executive director and speaker for Answers in Genesis UK and Europe. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical and Intercultural Studies and his Master of Arts in Theology. He has spoken at churches across the UK, uh, the Republic of Ireland, Spain, Russia, all on creation apologetics and why this matters. He's the author of the book, Scoffers, Responding to Those Who Deliberately Overlook Creation and the Flood. He speaks with that lovely British accent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome my guest today, Mr. Simon Turpin. Simon, welcome to the Creation Today Show, sir. Hi, Eric. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. I love it. I could just say start talking and everything you say sounds fantastic. It's so cool. You're you're blessed to uh, to have gift, been gifted by God, that beautiful accent. I love it. Well, you guys are over in the UK getting ready for something really big right now, aren't you? What's going on? 
Yeah, well, on, on Saturday we'll be coronating uh, King Charles. And so um, there's a bunch of us actually heading down to London tomorrow night to team up with uh, the folks at Living Waters in the UK. And we're going to be distributing thousands of tracks that have the gospel on the back of them. They look like um, English currency, but they're not real English currency, but they do, they're sort of disguised with the gospel on the back. And so, yeah, we're heading down there and hopefully God will bless us with uh, many opportunities to preach the gospel to people. Ray sent me a, a little video clip of the guys over there and the crowds were literally taking the gospel tracks like it was candy. I mean, this is, it, it's better than the million dollar bills tracks. It's better than his big, big money, $100 bill tracks. It's better than the round suits, which I love. I got one around here somewhere. It's, it's, um, it, it is, these tracks are so effective for a time like this. It's got King Charles on the front and the back has a very clear gospel message. And, and really that's your whole point of why you do ministry. I know that, but tell everybody why and how you got into doing apologetic ministry real quick. Um, it started for me a number of years ago when I was working uh, for a church uh, in this country, and I realized that the more you spoke to people inside the church and outside the church, how important it was um, to be able to defend the Christian faith, especially um, when it came to creation, the flood, the age of the earth, you know, the history of Adam. All those questions were really relevant in the life of the church, and as you witness to people in our culture, you know, the UK is is similar to America in, in many ways, but we're, we're a lot more uh, spiritually dark, I would say, um, than America. And so people's objections, people's worldview um, has been really influenced by evolutionary theory. And so a lot of those questions are common in the culture. And so if you're going to engage people with the gospel, if you want to tell them about the Lord Jesus, then you need to be able to defend the history that's there in the book of Genesis. And so I got myself trained up. I got a few degrees. Um, and then the opportunity actually arose for me to come and work for Answers in Genesis. And I'd started back in 2015. So I've been doing this uh, professionally now for about eight years. Wow. Well, you're doing a great job. And thank you for giving such good answers and writing such great material. Um, before I get into your book, I want people to know I want to give away a couple copies of this. And if you want to enter to win a copy of Simon's new book, Scoffers, uh, which I do highly recommend. You need to get this because of the way he unpackages the, the passage there in 2 Peter 3. Uh, I, I think, I think it would be really good for you to get this, whether you win it today or not. But uh, if you're on YouTube or Facebook or you're one of our partners here, you do need to finish that sentence. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will just fill in the blank right there, okay? Because it's Peter who gives us this this. This understanding, this, this, if I can call it a prophecy, that in the last days, scoffers are going to come. And that's what we want to talk about today. So if you want to get entered into the drawing to win this book, just enter the, the, what Jesus says to Peter. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will. What's he going to do? And while you fill that in, uh, we'll pick a winner, and we'll announce that here in just about uh, 20 minutes. Um, but uh, Simon, go into, go into scoffers and, and help, our, help our audience understand like, what is what is a scoffer exactly? I mean, can, can we define it biblically? Is it only today that we define it? What's a scoffer? Yeah, I mean, if you look in the book of Proverbs, Eric, you'll, you'll find a number of references to scoffers. A scoffer is basically someone who acts with arrogant pride, who refuses to be corrected. Um, they use really biased and emotional language. And so rather than uh, making a, a logical 
argument, a rational argument. They'll use um, emotional terms, bias terms, like they would say, maybe to us today, they would say, you know, you, you're just fundamentalists, you're, you're literalists, um, you're even extremists. They use that, that sort of, of language to describe people who would hold our position. So the Bible has a lot to say on scoffers. And the main thing that sums a scoffer up is someone who acts with arrogant pride, but refuses to be corrected. But also, if you correct them, the Bible says they will keep abuse on you. Wow. Yes. I remember is it the Proverbs, they'll turn and run and, and like the, the pigs will, will, uh, will charge you, they'll, they'll rend you, they'll, they'll literally try to destroy you. That, And that's exactly what we're seeing today. Tell me some of the the problems with, because I learned this actually from the book, I didn't realize there was actually a logical fallacy with what they were doing. The The whole point, the whole thing that they're doing, their argument against you using the emotion and stuff is actually a complete logical fallacy. Yeah, it's known as uh, an epitaph fallacy. Epitaph. Um, you, guys, you guys need to write that down, okay? Because so, you need to be able to use this in a, in a Facebook comment sometime. Say, what is the fallacy again? Yeah, an epitaph fallacy. And so instead of making a, a logical, rational argument, you use bias and emotional um, argumentation. And that's very common in the culture. You see it on, on, in the media, the TV, because it captures people because we're emotional people. And we tend to be drawn to emotional arguments sometimes rather than reason or logic. And as I said, you know, one of the criticisms people will heap on people like yourself and myself, you know, they'll say, oh, you're just extremists, you're literalists, um, and, and all yeah. these, they're just, they're epitaph fallacies, because there's not, there's not a logical argument there, it's just an emotional outburst in order to try and win people over, because who wants to be an extremist, right? <laughs> that's, that's it, yes. Yeah. Although I guess. I guess I want to be an extremist when it comes to Jesus and it comes to the Bible. I'm curious uh, on on Facebook and YouTube, if if you have ever found yourself the recipient of an did you call it epitaph T A T H I'm trying to I I, I read it but uh, epitaph tat epitaph if you've been the recipient of an epitaph fallacy just write yes in the comments like has anybody ever used that emotional oh you're just this you're just that and not actually dealt with the actual content so these scoffers exist when. When, when bring down, because your book goes through that passage in Second Peter 3, I guess, back up and give us the passage and then let's break that down and see what they're ignorant of and, and kind of when, I, I want to know when it began and, and what we do about it. So break that passage down for us. Yeah, so in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter tells us that scoffers will come in the last days. And according to the Bible, the last days is, is that era of history that begins with Christ coming into the world. And when he comes back at his return, and so Peter says scoffers will come then and they will scoff basically at the fact that God has intervened into the world. And they're scoffing that Christ will not come back. And Peter refutes them by saying, actually, God has intervened into the world. He's done it at creation and he's done it at the time of the flood. And so Peter refutes scoffers by appealing to creation and the flood because the scoffers are trying to argue look christ is not coming back and if christ is not coming back then hey we can live any way we want and so you don't have to live holy lives you don't have to live lives that are pleasing uh, to god in fact you see scoffing as you've already said eric all the way through the bible and you won't be surprised to know where the first um, really events that people, where, where scoffing basically begins in the Bible. Of course, it's the book of Genesis. You know, God <laughs> did uh, Adam and Eve at the beginning, didn't he? And God told Adam, 
um, to sum it up, all these trees you can eat, but that one tree, don't eat. Uh, and what happens? Well, Adam and Eve succumbed to, to the, the deception of Satan, and really that they rejected the truth of God's word and listened to the word of the serpent, Satan, and they, they really scoffed at what God had said. They didn't listen to his revelation. Rather, they rejected that in favor of what the serpent said. And so they scoffed at God's word. And you only we live in this world now, don't we? Because of that rejection of the truth of God's word. So true. It's, it's just, you know, every time I think about it, the, the answers really are in Genesis. Your organization is called Answers in Genesis for a very good reason. This is where every we learn about everything going right and wrong in the world today. Um, I've heard you speak about this before. I want to keep going through the passage, but real quick, when you don't understand Genesis correctly, what all goes wrong? Well, because Genesis is like the, the foundation to the rest of the Bible, just as you have a foundation to a house. If you remove the foundation, the house will collapse. Well, that history in Genesis is the foundation to the rest of Scripture. So if you remove or you deny that history in Genesis, well, you're going to see biblical doctrine uh, begin to unravel. You know, I'm currently about to have another book released on Adam, the first and the last, where I look at all the, the people who are beginning to deny the historical reality of, our, of, of the first man God created, Adam. And so if you reject the history of Adam, then really, well, what is sin? Why yes. did the, Yeah, why did the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, come into the world? Because that's what the Apostle Paul calls uh, Jesus. He says he is the last Adam, not the second Adam, the last Adam. The reason there's a last Adam is because there was a first Adam who brought sin and death into creation. And so if you deny the history that's in Genesis, then basically you begin to unravel um, the rest of doctrine that is founded upon that history in Genesis being true. And you see that in, uh, sadly, you see that in the church today, where people deny the doctrine of original sin, that they deny the teaching of the Lord Jesus on Genesis because they think, well, he just accommodated to the culture of his time. And, you know, people like Andy Stanley, who we might get to, that's what he believes. And so you see this rife within the church today. You know, it's, it's, I've, I've always wanted to do a little uh, graphic showing you're walking to believe in old earth creation, but your Bible now has to look like this and just show like all the verses that are being taken out of the Bible or because doctrinally, of course, like you said, I guess the way I say it on Twitter is, you know, the, the, the age of the earth and Genesis isn't essential to salvation, but it's essential to the doctrine that gives us the need for salvation. It's just so important. And if we were to literally take out all the verses that are that are dependent on Genesis being true, I wonder what we'd be left with. I've never actually done sat down and written that out, but you could just start crossing out tons of passages of Scripture that no longer apply because, well, death didn't really come because of sin. And like, I don't know, it, that's why my mind, has your mind ever wondered about something like that? What all wouldn't be true if this wasn't true? Maybe it's a, worth writing a book on that. But if you think about it, Eric, just um, Peter goes on in that passage, doesn't he? And he, he says, we look forward to a new heavens and a new yes. earth in which righteousness dwells. Well, think about it. Why do you need a new heavens? And here's the important thing, a new earth, because what happened at the beginning of creation, Adam messed up and he brought sin and destruction uh, uh, and the curse into creation. And that's why if you if you read Colossians, Paul tells us in, in Romans chapter eight, Christ, when he died on the cross, he redeemed creation. 
But if you have millions of years of death and suffering and disease there at the beginning, and God calls all that very good, then you've got to think, well, what will a new heavens and a new earth look like? Right? It's, it's not, <laughs> it's not going to look, not, it's not going to look great. But of course, that's not what the Bible presupposes. The Bible presupposes that the original creation was very good without death and suffering. And Adam brought sin and death into the world. And we look forward to the restoration of all things. And so we got we've got some hope there to look forward to. And that's that's part of the, you know, when we go out into the street this weekend at the coronation, that's what you'll be presenting to people. You know, we have a future to look forward, a great future, hope that's there in the gospel message. Wow. So not only if you take away the beginning and the accuracy of Genesis, not only do you disrupt the middle, the, the, the very point of Christ, you disrupt and you mess up the end. There is no hope now. There is no, uh, it, it, when we read passages that talk about how God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth and it's going to, wherein it's going to dwell righteousness and um, uh, there's going to be no more tears. I'm trying to think of the verses and the, the quotes off the top of my head, but uh, there's going to be no more suffering, no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. Like, you got to take that out now because no, that's no longer accurate if you have an old, or if you have a, 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 a a non-literal creation account. Yeah, I just think about it, Eric. How long will it take God to create the new heavens and new earth? <laughs> wow, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, will it take him millions of years? If it took him millions of years to form the first creation, then will it take him millions of years to, to restore creation in the new heavens and new earth? I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, too. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I've always seen it as a miracle. And if he's going to do it a miracle, then, you know, why why couldn't it have been a miracle at the beginning to make it in six days? Just like he said. Well, oh, even, so Paul, Paul in the New Testament, Eric, sorry, really quickly in, in two Corinthians, um, he, he talks about the fact of, of when you become a Christian, it's like the lights or he compares it to the light coming into creation on day one. And if if that light took a long period of time well how long did it take for you for when the gospel um transformed it was instantaneous when you became a new creation and so everything in the bible presupposes um the truth literal truth of what we read in the book of genesis wow that is that is beautifully said i'm going to read the passage here because i i, I used that that question at the beginning and i still want you guys to answer that if you want to be in for the drawing of of uh, of simon's book uh scoffers uh Jesus Christ said to Peter, upon this rock, I will. And then what did he say? What did he say to Peter? Upon this rock, thou art Peter, upon this rock, I will what? If you want to put that in the chat to be entered into the drawing. But Peter is the one who wrote uh, this, this epistle. And in, in, in chapter number three, he says, knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers. And they're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And then it says in verse number five, so this is 2 Peter 3, 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. I mean, I'm tempted to just say, I want to stop. You got to hit that. Okay. How are they willingly ignorant? Let me finish it, but you got to hit that. Why are they willingly ignorant? That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth was standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then was, then existed, perished being flooded with water, overflowed with water, it perished. And uh, it goes through and shows how these scoffers are ignorant of these things, the creation, the flood, and then it goes on to say the coming judgment of God. So 
keep unpackaging that and then let's let's look at where they're at today in in, in our culture today yeah i mean peter says there doesn't he importantly eric that they're willingly ignorant of you know they they know these things they're willingly ignorant of the fact that god um created the world supernaturally and that he destroyed it through a global flood now just think about that what a you know we think about where the church is at today most christians many christians sadly will reject the truth of supernatural creation in genesis 1 and a global flood but peter says these are the very things scoffers um reject they reject the supernatural creation of the world and they reject a global flood in the in the days of noah and in fact peter tells us this is the way to refute the scoffers this is how you refute um their arguments by appealing to creation and the flood and so it's sad to think that there are many in the church today who think this is a side issue it's unimportant when you have a specific passage in the new testament telling us how to refute false arguments that come against um the knowledge of our lord jesus christ and so yeah this is a, a vitally important uh issue for us as christians to get hold of and to, to really study this passage out and to learn uh, how to deal with scoffers i'm sitting here contemplating the the reality of what peter was able to do here because again your your book unpackaged this really clearly H how have pastors it's just confusing to me to watch pastors not hold to a literal interpretation of Genesis, knowing that it messes up your doctrine later, knowing that, and then Andy Stanley just two weeks ago came out and said, you know, uh, evolution and theism, uh, even talking biblical theism are not at odds. Can you, are you naming names in this next book? Are you saying, here's what, you know, John Lennox believes this, he's older, brilliant guy, but old earth. Hugh Ross believes this. Andy Stanley has said this, I don't know if you're naming names or not, but is that something you're doing? And, and can you walk us through uh, some of these individuals? I mean, William Lane Craig, yeah, it's like, how does he not see that he is actually fulfilling the biblical view of scoffing? That's literally what he's doing. Yeah, I, in the book, I do name names. I name some of the, the, the Christian leaders you've just mentioned there, William Lane Craig, John Lennox, um, Hugh Ross. And, and sadly, um, these are men who have great influence in the church today. And just because you name a name, it doesn't mean that you dislike them. It doesn't mean you're saying they're not a Christian. You're saying these people have, have taken on the philosophy of, 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 of the secular worldview and they're trying to impose it on, on the Bible. And so, you know, William Lane Craig and John Lennox believe God used the Big Bang to create the world. Well, where do they get that from in the Bible? Well, they don't because they have to impose it on the text of the Bible because they think that's good science. In fact, William Lane Craig um, has, has become popular recently because he's coined the phrase when he when he interprets Genesis mytho history. And so he believes there's some history there in, in Genesis that is true. Um, the fact that Adam and Noah, he thinks are real persons, but all the details surrounding them, such as their ages and and other details in the te text like Adam was created from the dust of the ground are just mythological. But that's not how the Bible treats Genesis. It never uses, um, it's not written in the language of myth. It's written in the language of history. And when you read in the New Testament, Paul calls Adam the first man. And so there were no people before Adam. And so you, you have to look at these guys and think, well, why are they, why are they reading Genesis like this? Well, it's because um, they've taken on ideas from the world, whether it's evolution, the Big Bang, or 
when it comes to, to the Old Testament, they've taken critical ideologies from Old Testament scholars, and they're now imposing those things on the text of scripture. And so, yeah, you have to warn people in the church, this is what these men are doing. They're not reading Genesis at face value. Any, any, any speculation as to why they're having a hard time doing this? Do you speculate at all on, okay, how can William Lane Craig say he's a, a scholar of the Bible? I mean, and, and there are, we know there are many that do this. They study the Bible and then they go, yeah, Genesis is just an allegory, or yeah, this really just means this. Any speculation on on the motive behind that? Like it just it still it still blows me away that they do that. Do, do you have any speculation on that? Well, I mean, it's always hard to guess people's motives because we don't know people's hearts. But here's the thing: we've been we we were both both brought up up in a Western culture that accepts the fact of evolution in millions of years. And I imagine William Lane Craig and John Lennox went through an education system, a university system that would have told them that these things were fact, these things were true. And so in their mind, how can then they reject what they've learned from brilliant people, no doubt, um, that, you know, the age of the earth, according to secular scientists, is wrong. So that's yeah. what their real struggle is. And then they think, well, how then do I read my Bible? I have to try and find a way to read the Bible that accommodates these ideas I've been given um, in, in university in, into the text. In fact, William Lane Craig has come out and said, you know, if, if Genesis is true, then we're all in big trouble <laughs> because he thinks that it's, it's a fact that the world is millions of years old and he, he just can't come to grips with actually secular scientists might have certain presuppositions uh, they might have a worldview which causes them to come to a certain conclusion regarding the age of the world you know in, in the new testament the apostle paul tells us in romans chapter 12 that we need to renew our minds through scripture if we do not daily renew our minds through this book that god has given us the revelation of god then you know what, we're gonna be in a constant struggle with the things that we listen to and find out in the world because you know, we're in a battle with the, with the world, the flesh and the devil. And so you need to be immersed in God's word in order to stand up in this battle. And so when we open up God's word, um, it helps us understand what's going on in the world around us. And I would just say to people like William Lane Craig and John Lennox, you need um, just to take a minute, step back and look at the text more closely because it, the text is clear. The text is crystal clear. And I think they just need to rethink some of these ideologies they've been given um, from the time they were probably in, in university and that, that influence that, that's on them. That's interesting because it it really is, it, for me, it's clear to see, it's easy to see. It's, it's interesting that it's hard for them to see uh, that they've been so effective affected by modern scientific thinking and it's this like you said it's the same data we're looking at the same information but it's how we interpret it it's our worldview going into it it's making us wonder um hey listen i want to give away a couple copies of your book but i want to follow that thread line as we keep talking about scoffers in the next half and and get into that why is why is biblical authority why is the inspiration of god why is it important that this is not just the word of man, this is the word of God. Why is that so important? So talk about that here in a second. You're finishing the sentence, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, and the finishing of it was, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
So uh, it's super, super important. Gary and Jill, uh, one of our partners here, you guys are the winner of the new book, Scoffers, on YouTube. If you have the YouTube username, Mama, M-A-M-A, -M -A, Mama, you just won this. I wonder if that's my mama, but she's not watching on YouTube. Uh, and then on Facebook, Charlie Clark. If you are Charlie Clark, you are the winner of this. Here's what I need you to do. Send an email to comments at creationtoday.org. Comments at creationtoday.org. So mama and uh, Charlie Clark. Gary, we've already got your information. We'll send that to you. Uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this is great. Mama and Charlie Clark. Clark, you are the winner. Send an email to comments at creationtoday.org and we will send you this book. Um, and by the way, Facebook and YouTube, thank you guys for hanging out with us and for our podcast and television audience. We sure appreciate you guys tuning in. Next week, I've got a great conversation for you guys. Uh, we're, we're actually going to answer the question about women. And we're going to do it from a biblical perspective. The show is entitled, She Shall Be Called Woman. It's with my friends, Jeremy and Tiana Wiles. They've done some in, they produce some of the most incredible resources available for husbands and wives, for uh, men that are struggling. Anyway, they just got some phenomenal resources that they produced. Uh, so Jeremy and Tiana Wiles from Kingdom Works Studios are going to be joining me for She Shall Be Called Woman. That's next week live at noon uh, on Wednesday. So thank you guys for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. If you want to hear the rest of the show, uh, and if you just want to support the gospel going around the world, head on over to creationtoday.org slash partner and join us, okay? We'd love to have you over there. Look forward to seeing you guys next week.